This is Away Message. I'm Jeremy Markovich, and we have just two episodes left in this season, which, if you don't already know, has been all about the Mountains of Sea Trail. And before we get to them, I just wanted to drop into your feed today with a short little bonus episode, because one of the things that I've enjoyed this season has been reading your emails and your tweets and your Facebook comments. Now, one of you tweeted at me to say that you have listened to every episode four or maybe even five times, which... Dude, that is amazing. I have a habit of telling the same stories over and over again to my wife and family, so um, you you practically live with me now. Uh, I've also heard from some of you who maintain the trails, who build trails, uh, some hikers, some people who want to hike, some of you who had no idea what the MST was before now, and some of you who just wanted to say hi. So, hello. Um, but I did want to focus in on one tweet that I got from a listener named R. Milton Howell, who wrote this, quote, Love the MST podcast. Has wet mine and other appetites to hike. You might want to mention on one episode where to get started, gear recommendations, pack lists, logistics of resupply, etc. Milton, that is a great idea. And I know just the person to help out. So my name is Jennifer Farr Davis, and I'm a hiker and author and speaker and mom and business owner and all sorts of different things. But I really like spending time outside on trails. So whenever I have the opportunity, that's where I am. She is a hiker who once completed the Appalachian Trail in 46 days. 46 days! That is still the record for a female hiker heading from north to south on the AT. Back in 2017, she finished the Mountains of Sea Trail at a more mortal pace, three months. She brought along one of her children for part of it. She is also a writer. She had a story in Our State Magazine a few years ago about hiking the AT. And she also blogged about her experiences on the MST. I will put links to both of those in the show notes for this episode. But in short, she is just really thoughtful about the whole experience of hiking. It's day three. I'm hiking up Balsam Mountain. I've already done about 16 miles and have four left to go. And it hurts. <laughs> um, I remember this feeling. I remember your heartbeat in your head and the sweat going down your temples and an ache in your thighs and a burn in your calves. And it makes me feel old. <laughs> And it makes me feel a little more out of shape than I was the last time I did a long trail. But it also feels really good. Today, she runs Blue Ridge Hiking Company, which leads hikers on guided day hikes and backpacking trips. She knows her stuff when it comes to preparation and strategy and really even just the basics. How to camp, how to hike, what to bring, what not to bring, and what to, you know, prepare with, your gear, that sort of thing. So... I called her up via Zoom to say, how do you do this? You have people out there that are maybe thinking like, I want to plan a really big hike that I've always wanted to do. And also some people that are like, you know, I see everybody else hiking. They get outside. I don't really know how to begin. So at the very beginner level, somebody who wants to go for a hike, wants to spend some time on a trail, but has really never done that before. What are the basics you need to just get started? You know, unfortunately, I think hiking can sometimes psych people out. Almost everyone is already a hiker because Merriam-Webster defines hiking as a walk through a natural setting. So when I meet people and they're like, "Uh uh-uh, not me, not in the woods, not with bears, I usually ask them, 
do you feel comfortable walking on the beach? And they're like, oh yeah, I can do that. And I say, well, that's a hike. And so sort of demystifying the idea that you need full on North Face gear and you have to be like climbing ladders and on a mountain is really important when it comes to hiking. I encourage people as they get started, not only to recognize what they're already doing, but also to point out that any walk on a, a greenway, any walk through a natural setting, if you have a park that's very forested in your town or neighborhood, that walking there can be considered hiking. And when they feel like they're already doing that and they have some experience and some confidence doing that, then I think it's more uh, accessible to go on some of these more remote or more challenging footpaths that we have in the Southern Appalachians and in the state of North Carolina. So most people are already doing it. That's really great. Beyond that, if you can go with people who have more experience than you, that's one of the best ways to learn because we all make mistakes and learning vicariously through someone else's journey and the mistakes they've made and what they've changed as far as planning or gear or itinerary or what they take on the trail with them, that's super helpful. And then there's great resources online. The American Hiking Society, they have a great list of 10 hiking essentials that you would want to take with you on any day hike or backpacking trip. So doing a little research, talking to other folks, and just accepting that you're already probably a hiker is a good place to start. So it's not a it's not an insurmountable thing to, to have to do. It's just like, oh, you're already, it's like, how do I start hiking? You probably already are if you look at it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Like you're a human if you go outdoors and walk. <laughs> like you're, you're real close here. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I think about too is that, yeah, you were talking about the gear and some people think like, but I don't have any hiking boots. You know, I don't have any hiking clothes or that sort of thing. I mean, like what are some things that are maybe already in your house and that'll make you more comfortable getting outside? So I love great gear, but it's taken me 17 years and owning a, a bougie little backpacking shop to have like all the best gear and I wouldn't trade it. But when I started, I used running shoes on the trail. I had my brother's old Boy Scout gear that had been in our basement for years. Um, you can start on a day hike with just a backpack similar to what you would take to school, what your kids would take to school, right? So you don't need anything super fancy. Um, it might carry more weight or feel heavier in your pack when you don't have the specific lightweight hiking gear, but it's still going to work. A heavy rain jacket is going to work. So yeah, just get started with what you have. I mean, I, when I was 21, this was my first big journey on the trail. I decided to hike the Appalachian Trail and I had um, a mop stick as a hiking pole because, <laughs> and that was to replace my, uh, I had a free ski pole that I, someone had given me that I used as my hiking stick. And then I lost that and I replaced it with like a $3 mop handle, right? So I love my great gear. If you have the opportunity to invest, it's worthwhile, but you certainly don't need top of the line stuff to get out there and be safe and enjoy it. You know, let's say that you've kind of done a few day hikes and, and you enjoy it and you say, you know, maybe now's the time I want to go out and try some backpacking. How do you kind of make that transition from somebody who's just casually walking around uh, or taking a day to kind of be back in nature to somebody who is now ready to go out and camp and be away for a couple of days? Yeah, my three main recommendations for people who want to go from over or sorry, day hikes to overnight trips is. Number one, start in your backyard, practice setting up your gear at home. I can't tell you how many times I see people 
trying to learn a tent configuration on the trail. They have no clue what goes where because they've never taken it out of the bag before. So whether you're actually sleeping in your backyard or not, you need to do a full kind of camp setup when you're at home. Test your camp stove if that's what you're bringing. Make sure you know how to use your water filter, all those things. So get familiar before you're in the middle of the forest. After that, same thing as with day hikes. If you can go with someone who knows what they're doing, do it. It's just such a great way to learn. And a lot of people have friends or family members that can take them out and teach them skills. That's also where services like our company, Blue Ridge Hiking Company, most of the clients we work with on backpacking trips are either beginners or they haven't done it in a really long time. And our goal is to give them the skills and information they need to where if they then want to do this on their own, they'll feel confident being able to do that. So it is an education. There is a learning curve. You need someone to be able to teach you. And it's possible to do it off of YouTube videos, but it's much better in person. And then the third thing is that you got to limit your weight. Um, if you're carrying an overnight pack, the number one mistake is people wanting to bring too much stuff and, and taking all these luxury items from home that they think are going to keep them more comfortable or they think they really need. And once you get out on the trail, it makes you super uncomfortable. You don't really want it. You don't really need it. And it makes it a lot harder. So um, being a minimalist and pretty conservative with what you're packing, having everything you need, but nothing else when you get started and not being overly ambitious with your miles or itinerary as the beginning backpacker is also important. So those three things, limiting your weight, going with someone, you know, and, um, getting familiar with your gear at home. Those are the starting points. You know, there are a lot of people who do day hikes or backpacking trips. There is a small number um, of people overall, I would say, that actually attempt to complete an entire long trail, including the Mountains of Sea Trail. And so if you are thinking like, okay, I'm going to make this big step and actually try to attempt, let's say the MST, what kind of planning and training and gear and forethought do you need to put into that? Just, just like, where do you even start when you're thinking about doing something like that? Right. And, and so what you're talking about is actually called a through hike. And a through hike is a completion of a long trail within a calendar year. It does take more planning for sure. It actually would take additional planning for a path like the mountains to sea trail because it's still not officially completed. It's sort of, a work in progress, but you definitely want to start by going to the trail organization where you plan to hike. So if you're wanting to complete the mountains to sea trail, then look up the information that's put out by the friends of the mountains to sea trail. And they have recommendations as far as um, how to approach the trail, what to pack, what resources to use. They have a wonderful guidebook that you can get in print it's actually three volumes. It has mountains, Piedmonts, and coastal, or it's also available online as well. So the guidebook sort of walks you through the trail mile by mile. It also has resources for places where you can resupply or stay along the way. So if you're hiking a trail that's going to take you over a week, several weeks, several months, you don't carry all your food and all your water clearly with you the entire time. So the guidebook is going to have places where, for example, water sources you can gather and collect water from during the day that you would treat and then carry. And then every few days, it also typically lists towns or road crossings or businesses or hotels or hostels where you would be able to pop in and either 
buy reprovisions, food and supplies, um, pick up a package that you've mailed to yourself with those things, with additional food, maybe fresh socks, maybe more vitamins, whatever it is you carry with you, potentially spend the night and get a shower, do laundry. All that information is listed out in the guidebook. And when I approach a long trail, I really, uh, I like to get in a rhythm, if possible, of being on trail for about three or four days and then looking for a resupply point and then going out for another three or four days and then looking for a resupply point. So even though it's really intimidating for a lot of people to think, oh my gosh, like how am I ever going to do a thousand miles? How am I ever going to do 2000 miles? If you can do a three-day backpacking trip, followed by another three-day backpacking trip, followed by another three-day backpacking trip, and you can do that over and over and over again, then you can hike a long trail. So it's really a matter of just sort of not looking at it as like, oh, this impossibly long entire trail. It's more so like three days at a time. I can get through these three days, then I go to the next three days, then I go to the next three days or, or next week or next you know period of time, but just kind of getting through these little short chunks so it's not so long that it feels overwhelming. Absolutely. Yep. One day, one section at a time. That's what gets you to the end. When you talk about doing trails, there is sort of a different terminology when it comes to doing a through hike. I mean, through hike is its own term, but you also talk about resupplies, water supplies. I mean, what are some of the things that some of the, like the lingo that you end up using when you start doing like a long trail? Sure. So um, certainly through hike is one that means you're trying to complete the entire trail. There's also a section hiker who is trying to complete the trail in sections over time. So maybe over years, maybe over decades. Uh, we talk about day hikers out there for the day. We talk about weekenders who are out there just backpacking maybe for the weekend. So those are categories of hikers. A lot of times people talk directionally about trails. So the Mount Sissi Trail common question is like, are you going east to west, west to east? On the Appalachian Trail and a lot of these north-south trails, we talk about nobos or sobos. Nobos are northbounders, sobos are southbounders. We also refer to sort of non-traditional completions of trails, two examples being a flip-flop which is when you complete a trail, but instead of starting at one end or the other, you start in the middle and you hike to an end and then you come back and complete the other section or the other half that you have left. So that's a flip-flop and then a yo-yo. And there is a woman, I think her name is Kimberly Brookshire, but she has completed a yo-yo of the Mount Sissi Trail. And that is when you hike to the end, you hike the whole stinking trail, and then you turn around and you hike it all back. <laughs> so that's a yo-yo. For people who try to set records, now most people refer to that as an FKT, or fastest known time on trail. So that's a lot of trail ingo, lingo and terminology. Hikers also love, we, we use all sorts of initials out there. Usually if we're using uh, initials, we're talking about other trails, because like you already said, MST, AT, PCT, BMT, CDT, like those are all referring to trails. It sort of sounds like battleship, like, you know, letters and numbers mean other trails elsewhere. And then part of trail culture that you see when you're hiking these footpaths is something called trail magic, where people come and leave food or do kind things for the hikers on these trails because they're on a long, hard journey. So the idea of that is called trail magic. And um, people who provide trail magic are called trail angels. 
And if you get to the town and you need to take a day off, we usually call that a zero day. Or maybe you hike just a few miles and you take a break the rest of the day. That's called a Nero day. I'm sure there's more, but I agree with you. It, it, now that I'm so in it, it feels very commonplace to use all these phrases. But when you first get out there, you're like, what are these people talking about? And where am I? And I didn't know my sleeping bag was rated. Rated to what? Like good, better, bad. Like, I don't, what does this all mean? You know? So you pick up very quickly, but it, it's, it has its own words and phrases out there. One of the terms too that I've heard is getting your trail legs. I've kind of heard this before about people who over time, their body sort of adapts to doing a long trail. For people who are like, okay, I can plan for this, but also physically, like, how do I handle walking this far every single day? Is it something that you can really prepare for? Or is it something that your body also adapts to naturally as you get out there and you're just walking long distances every day? It's both. I mean, the best way to really train for a long hike or a long trail is to be out there hiking. Um, So a lot of people do get into trail shape once they start their journey and they just plan to start very slow and be very conservative until they feel like they're in trail shape and have their trail legs. But certainly any preparation you can do at home will help. And with our hiking company all the time uh, on our health forms, we have people who rate themselves as extremely fit, extremely healthy. They say, I go to the gym five days a week. I do the elliptical 30 minutes every day. And we kind of always brace ourselves when we see that because we're like, oh, no, (laughs) They they are healthy and they are fit, but they're not trail fit. And especially when people are coming from a flat land uh, or if they're not used to carrying any weight on their back, then the hiking backpacking experience can be very difficult. So when people want to get in shape and want to train for backpacking and long trails, the two things we always encourage is add weight and add elevation that's going to help you at home. You know, you live in the Piedmont, you live at the coast, it's flat. But when you're on the treadmill and you're doing your fast walking or whatever it is, or you're on the greenway, put a pack on your back, put some weight in it. Backpacking is a weight bearing exercise. You need to get used to that weight. And then any place you can add vertical gain and loss and elevation, whether it's a bridge at the coast, whether it's a football stadium and you're doing stairs, a stair stepper at the gym, a tall skyscraper in Charlotte, and you walk up and down the stairs, like wherever you can get that up and down training. It's so critical because it's, it's just never flat where we hike. It's, it's never flat. You're always going up and down and you want to train those muscles, which are, are very different than, pounding out a 5k on a, you know, coastal greenway or going to the gym and doing a treadmill. So those will help if you're going to a mountainous area and you're starting to do overnights. When you're talking about somebody who is trying to hike the whole thing, like some people take maybe two months, some people might take four months to hike the MST. Somebody that you know, Tara Dower, she uh, works for you, is trying to do the whole thing in one month, but she's running it. So when you're trying to ballpark and saying like, you know, I want to maybe do one of these long trails, but I don't really know how long it would take me. Is there a good gauge or way that you can sort of figure out how long it might take you to do it? 
Yeah. I mean, I think you can just go ahead and look at averages like the, the average amount of time it usually takes someone to complete it. That's a great starting place. If you don't know your ability and you're thinking, okay, what it typically takes someone to hike the Mount Sissi Trail is two to three months. And you think, well, I've never hiked a long trail before. I'm not in great shape. I have to get in shape on the trail. So then you start to think, well, maybe it'll take me three to four months. Or you think, I want to challenge myself. I'm in pretty good shape. I've hiked some other footpaths. Usually it takes people two to three months. I'm going to try to finish in six to eight weeks. So knowing yourself and then knowing the average on the trail is going to help you. I also think on most most long trails, um, if you plan to hike pretty consistently and not take a lot of time off, you can basically budget. Like an average hiker is usually going to take 13 to 15 miles a day. Um, and that includes maybe a Nero day. But if you take a long trail and divide it by 13 to 15 and figure out how many days that is, that's, that's sort of an average time frame that it might can take people to hike a trail. That's a six month hike on the AT is about 13 miles a day. So yeah, those are helpful starting points. And then I find that people do a lot better when they're not in these uh, really rigid rote schedules on the trail. So if you do have flexibility, give yourself flexibility. You don't necessarily have to have an end date in mind. And a lot of times it can take the fun out of the journey and the trail when you're very, very scheduled out there. You have an itinerary that you're trying to stick to because you can never anticipate the weather. You never know how you're going to feel on a certain day. Um, you might want to do 25 miles one day and there's a hurricane coming through or you've sprained your ankle and you're hobbling along. And that's a part of it. You have to expect those things. You will be you know, in pain at some point. You will have bad weather at some point and having the flexibility to navigate that is important. You know, when we talk about people hiking the trail, I think we, we maybe kind of sometimes focus on on the folks who are able to complete it. But, you know, with anything, especially with the Appalachian Trail, a lot of people set out and have to let up for one reason or another. They, they can't make it or something goes wrong or they get injured or something like that. So are there things that you and we can learn from people who set out to do something like this and one reason or another can't complete it? Yeah, absolutely. And and I hate the idea of failure on any trail because for anyone who starts it, you're doing more than you would do if you sat at home, right? So the folks who try the MST or Appalachian Trail and they make it 200 miles and have to get off, like, isn't it incredible? You just did 200 miles. That's more than most people are going to do this year or in their lifetime. So certainly celebrating the experience that you have, whatever that is, um, knowing the trail's not going anywhere if you want to come back to it at some point or doing it differently is important. When people get off, I also think it's really important to acknowledge there are right reasons to stop. It's not always failure or quitting. Like there are very legitimate reasons to get off trail. As a mother and a daughter and someone who loves to hike, if I wanted to do a long trail and I got out there and my family needed me, you know, for more than just <laughs> typical drama or runny nose or whatever it would be, like I would get off because my family is more important to me than a long trail. Like, you know. There's reasons to get off. If you have a dream job offer that comes when you're out there hiking, 
go take your dream job. Like the trail's going to be there. You can do it in weeks. You can do it in 20 years. It's, it's going to be there. So yeah, taking away the fear or idea of failure is important. But when people quit, a lot of times it's not because they have the wrong gear. It's mostly, um, I mean, injury forces people off trail for sure. And there's a lot of chronic overuse injuries that come with hiking and backpacking, especially shin splints, Achilles tendonitis, plantar fasciitis, all those you see on trail a lot. So doing stretches and again, getting in shape before you're starting, that helps decrease your risk of those injuries. But then also, I just think mentally, mentally, most people choose to get off because it's not the adventure they had in mind. So putting your expectations in the right light before you go out there, accepting it's going to be hard, accepting it's going to be uncomfortable. I had two good friends uh, who did the Mountains to Sea Trail this year during COVID. And if they had had set expectations that they were going to go and hike the trail in two to three months, they never would have finished because they had to hop on, hop off, go to certain sections that were open when they were open. Um, It was very different than what they thought it would look like. They ended up doing some of the you know, hottest roadwalk sections in July and getting heat rash everywhere, which was not what they had planned, but they were willing to be flexible and embrace discomfort. So they made it and they finished and it was pretty awesome. So being stubborn, being adaptable, and then getting your head in the right place that it is hard. And there is a reason why a lot of people quit. And if you want to keep going, you're going to have to work through that. What are the things that are really important that people don't seem to ask about that they end up discovering on their own once they're on a long hike or on a, on a, on a big backpacking trip? Huh, that's a really good question. I can identify what I've found to be the biggest barriers that keep people, especially women, from going out and hiking and backpacking. And it's this idea that they didn't receive the education or instruction growing up. So Again, culturally, knowing how to hike, knowing how to backpack, um, some people are brought up with that and other people grow up in families where being outside is dangerous or scary or why would you ever choose to do it? So even in my experience, my brothers, because they were boys and, you know, in different programs than I was, they had a lot more backcountry skills than I did when they were adults. So education and instruction is huge. Fear is a huge hurdle for people. So identifying what are the real risks um, of the trail and how to handle that, that's important. I see guilt a lot keeping people from hiking or backpacking. Well, how could I leave my children and spend a night in the woods? How could I do that? They need me. How could I, you know, I see this again a lot from women who are caretakers. How could I leave my mother? How could I take time off for myself? So guilt is pretty big. And then just the basic essentials of like, what do I do with my body in the woods? And maybe that's, you know, one where, where people get on and a lot of them figure it out for themselves because they're too intimidated or they don't have the right person to ask about like, well, how do I, what what do you do with the peas and poops? How do I handle my menstrual cycle in the woods? Like I'm chafing in a really uncomfortable spot. Like, how do I treat this? I think people, uh, sometimes are intimidated to ask those questions about how to take care of your body on the trail, but you should. And and there's great blogs and information and tips online about how to handle all those things. And I recommend that people research that because it's, it's not very fun on the trail to then have to figure out kind of how to stay clean and how to take care of yourself. So 
certainly like hygiene and nutrition, it's very personal, but it's important to do some research and try to have a game plan before you head out there. You've been hiking for a very long time. You've been hiking long distances for a very long time. When you look at your life now, maybe how you've changed just because of not only hiking, but also the preparation and the simplicity uh, that you need to kind of bring to a long hike like this, like how has that changed how you look at other things in your life versus maybe the way that you were before you started doing a lot of these, these long hikes? Yeah, I always say um, that hiking and backpacking has been my best education, and I really mean it. And <clears throat> there's so many lessons that I've embraced on the trail that I just use in my everyday life. I think the top one has got to be endurance. Like you just realize on the trail that you can get through more than you think you can get through and that it doesn't always get worse. And there are valleys you never think you're going to get out of, but then there are these mountaintop moments. And if you just keep going, you'll get through both. So endurance is huge. Minimalism. Um, certainly when I started my company at 24, I thought like a backpacker, I was like, I need low overhead. <laughs> I had like $2,000 in the bank. Right. And I was like, I really need to start this <clears throat> in a way that's, that's conservative and, and minimal and allows me to get my trail legs and learn about business over time. So learning how to be minimal, happy with less, create low overhead. That's been a trail lesson. This whole concept of being like adaptable, but stubborn. That's how I try to like approach my life. When I set a goal, I really usually want to get there, but I know that the path is not going to look like I think it will. And so being willing to pivot, pause, take new trails, all those things are important mindsets. And then just for me, being outdoors has also really helped my self-image and my sense of peace and my faith. Like I feel like I'm a part of nature and that's really important for me. It makes me feel beautiful. It makes me feel wild. I know when I'm outdoors, I feel very present. I feel very connected to God. I feel very connected to people around me when I go hiking. It's such a just genuine connection that's so naturally fostered outdoors and there's very few distractions whereas off trail we're multitasking and there's technology and distractions and all sorts of things going on so it's just yeah that ability to be present feel beautiful and sort of have the connections that make me feel healthy I try to take that stuff off trail and implement it in my everyday life so Certainly, you know, the reason we promote hiking is not just because it's fun and it's awesome and to get people outdoors. It is. It's great exercise, you know, but also it's really awesome therapy and it sort of gives people what they need. And it's also a great way to encourage conservation because until people experience something, they're not going to value it and want to protect it. So there's so many reasons. There's so many reasons to go outdoors. And, you know, like I just said, a common hiker saying is the trail tends to give you what you need. So regardless of what that is, it's usually different for different people at different times of life. Uh, if you take a hike, I think there's a really good chance you might find something that you need. Thanks again to Jennifer Farr Davis. If you have questions or comments about this season or this podcast or anything at all, you can email me, 
podcast at ourstate.com. You can also tweet at me. I am deftly inane on Twitter. Really, really hate saying that out loud. We are also at Away Message Podcast on Facebook as well. And while I have you here, I mean, you came this far in this episode, so you must really like us. And I would love it if you would just take a short survey. It is at away.ourstate.com slash survey. Really helped us learn about who you are and will make this a better show. Now, that is a lot of links and social media stuff, so do not worry. I will put all of this in the show notes for this episode. And as always, please just leave a rating or review of this show wherever you listen and tell a friend. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Jeremy Markovich. We will be back with the final two episodes of this season in just a few weeks. Mm-hmm.